I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Can you hear me? I can. Loud and clear. Trying to think of what angle to spin first. Is it the training camps are are starting to feel like it's hockey season because, like you just mentioned, the they're starting to cut the kids and the rosters are starting to shrink down, or is it is it the two uh, conversation still about the protocol? Uh, you know, it's where where do you start, right? Yeah, yeah. And there was uh, there's, there's some firings too, but... or firing. I think there should be some firings. But uh, the NFL did uh, let go the um, obviously the, the the concussion spotter, the neurosurgeon consultant that allowed Tua to get back in the game. And, you know, when you hear those statements that uh, they found uh, that the consultant that the consultant made several mistakes in his evaluation, that is that cannot happen. Cannot what, were the, what were the mistakes? I don't know. He had his head up his ass, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, listen, two is uh, can clearly concussed. Everybody in on the planet saw that he was concussed. He ended up somewhat getting up from the hit from Milano, and he stumbles his way upfield and kind of is consoled by a number of teammates because the guy can't stand up. And all of a sudden you have the, the, the coach of, uh, you know, the Miami Dolphins saying, well, you know, it's, uh, they, they were telling me that he had a bad back. That's why he was stumbling. Bullshit. Rev, you can fire all the other 31 as well, because there has been negligence already this season, probably from week one to week three, when the original incident happened. And, and in years past, you could do a whole enema of of these guys across the board like Mm -hmm. you think the problem stops there and did you see over the weekend so-and-so left with a concussion won't return so-and-so is now a concussion protocol so-and-so is now like holy years too late you know what i mean so this guy here's a scapegoat this guy here's the old wake up alarm hey wake up and now we got to actually start to act like the friggin' players matter but again who makes the decision to allow him to go back in is it this uh is it this neurosurgeon consultant the concussion spotter is or is it is my scammy doctor miami dolphins who was the last when you got injured who was the last line of defense to decide and tell the coaches whether you could play who was the last line of defense was it the doctors that went into the locker or the coach's office or was it the the trainer in my case 
Yes. Like if, uh, if, if in any case, like in the NHL, like who went into the coach's room? Like when, when a player got it was hurt, the whether it was, it was the doctors or it was the, the medical trainer. Well, I think in my case, in when I got knocked out in the one medical of my trainer games, consults with the doctors and he goes in cause the coaches don't want to be in there. I remember, I remember a player yeah, because on our the team <laughs> got hurt. I remember, I remember this vividly because I couldn't believe it because I was out injured and I had a real injury and this player was out and he had a real injury and we were rehabbing together. And this was day one of his injury. It happened the day before. Okay. In a game. And our medical guy, this is in the NHL. Our medical guy walked into the coach's room and said, uh, he's out for seven days with a hip flexor. Okay. Cause they're normally like, what do they say? Five to seven days, right? You know what I mean? Three to seven days, somewhere in there with a the hip yeah. flexor, right? Yeah. The coach at the time, I only played for two coaches. So it's like, I don't have a, 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 a grocery list of coaches like you do. I have two coach says, why'd you tell him he's out a week? Now he mentally thinks he's out a week. He's like, because that's the, that's the time with the, with what he can do. He has no strength in his hip flexor. He, he, he can't skate in three days. I'm going to reevaluate him in three days. He's like, and the coach just snaps. He's like, the minute you tell them they're out for seven days, they get complacent and they're out for seven days. And I'm thinking the whole time, this kid this kid is trying to earn his stripes in the league. He doesn't want to be out seven days. I can tell you that right now. He does not yeah. want to be out seven days. He's sitting there panicking. He's like, fuck, 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 fuck. And he was back within a week. And, the and probably there was a good chance that he was not 100%. He wasn't. Because he was really hurt. Like, that's the problem. That's well, that's, you know, that's, that's why you, again, you go back. I mean, you, so it's the medical trainers. I'm sorry. The, med I, the medical trainers I'm really sorry. need to have the backs of the players, but it's extremely different. It's a, a, an extremely difficult job for them because they work for the team and the team doesn't want players out. They want them back immediately. They think that these, you know, the, the, the general managers, the coaches think that, you know, the training staff are miracle workers. No, the players are human. We, we heal at the same time as everybody else. Okay. But, uh, you know, we want to push the kid the in Miami. Did you hear his post-game press conference after what kid, the coach, he's a kid. Yes. I don't know how old he is. He's a, he's, yes. he's a, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking to myself, I don't know what I was thinking. I was just thinking this guy is as full of shit as it, as it gets. And you actually, I mean, if you're a head coach of an NFL football team, I'm pretty sure you know what a concussion is. I'm, you know, I'm, I can't say for certain whether the guy has ever taken a hit or been concussed. I mean, but my point so is, you, is that you, you think that's on the coach. I, I think that if, if the coach is sitting there not nervous every time the ball is every time Tua says hot, then he has an issue in itself, okay. and that is I'm, that's, that's not what I'm asking. Record. You. I'm yes, asking you. On, yes, I do. No, it's not on the coach. Absolutely I think, not. I think it's on the absolutely coach. not. Why would it be on the coach? The guy, the coach is the coach. Of the goddamn team. He puts players on the field. He picks he the starting plays. lineup, and this guy was the guy four days and ago. 
if who he's was told, who couldn't even stand up after he after he got pushed over. Okay, so That's he's so- listening to the medical people. He's listening to the doctors. His job is not to diagnose. If freaking Craig, Tua, are you a medical? I- are you a medical person? No, I'm not. Okay. Did you do you need to be a medical person with what you've heard and read? Like, do you think he's you think he's blind and 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 completely ignored the movie concussion or the NFL concussion lawsuit or the helmets and the protection and the protocols? Do you think he's just hasn't noticed that stuff? I don't understand. Oh, I, I understand. I'm sure he's I'm he sure decided, he's very aware. He decided, oh. But, but his job. You know, you know who I'm going to start a QB today? Job. You know who I'm going to start a QB today? I'm going to start Tua. He's fine. You think he thought he was fine when he ran out of that tunnel? Did he even run out the right tunnel, or did he go out the I think, other? I think tunnel? he did uh, feel he was fine because he's listening to the doctors that their jobs are to make sure that these players are capable of playing. Okay, and, and when, we're not and doctors, when, and, and when we Tua, said. We are not doctors, and we said at the end of that episode after uh, the, the Monday after the hit, we said it would be very interesting to see if Tua plays on Thursday. I would feel Whose like decision is it for Tua to play? Um, the coach. Everybody has a job. Everybody relies on people to do their jobs. And you know when what they a don't hero do their that jo- coach when they been. don't can you stop interrupting me? <laughs> when you don't have guys do their jobs, you have these situations. But the coach of the team, his job is to coach the team. It's to put a game plan together, it's to motivate his players to make sure that they're prepared throughout the week to play in a game. He is not there to make decisions on whether players can play or not play. When he gets an okay from his doctors to say that two is okay to play, it's on the doctors. It's not on the coach. Oh, man. I'm not saying it's solely the coach. I'm saying the coach needs to be held responsible. I, I don't under I, I don't understand the mindset of 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 what we know and the decision to actually let him play, like to start him. I mean, that is justifiable. And right before, right before you told me and you right before you said, stop interrupting me. I was about to say, do you imagine what a hero that coach would have been? Had he said, when he goes to his media press conference, why didn't you start Tua today? After your loss. And he says, well, I did listen to the doctors and the medical staff, but I didn't like what I saw. And I don't feel like the game today is more important than the health of Tua. And, you know, we gave Teddy a a shot to go out and, and give him a chance to play. And we came up short or we won. I don't know because the team doesn't have to deal with that fucking emotional collapse in the middle of a game. I don't even remember the score. I don't even care what the score was. Or I, I don't think the Dolphins won, did they? They lost the game, did they not? The last what? one they played? Yes. Yeah, the one yeah. where two got. Yeah, they lost that game. And I'm just like, what a hero that guy would have been. Like someone would have actually said, wow, this guy cares about 
the well-being of his players more than he cares about the record of his team. Mm-hmm. That's all I, I think. I think I would like to see football get to that point. Hockey, I I said it the other day. I feel like hockey has really learned from football's mistakes. I really believe that. Yes, there are there are mistakes in the past and things they didn't know. And and sure, maybe they didn't know when they were naive to it and ignored it, but I don't think they're ignoring it now. I think they're paying attention to it. In the playoffs, maybe not. Okay. I I, I don't believe in that. I, I feel like there were guys that were banging around this even this past playoffs that came back to play rather quickly. And you're like, hey man, it's the playoffs. And I'm just thinking. I don't know. I, I think that I, I, I'm not saying the coach needs to be held accountable. What I'm saying is I just feel like the coach could have played a bigger role in preventing the injury because he knows. Well, he knows again, what you, you talked about on Monday morning. Again, you just keep talking about how heroic this would be. If that, if that coach made that decision, what a heroic, what a heroic play that this coach made. He made, he went against the evaluation of the league's, neurosurgeons and he went uh, he went above and beyond the doctors on the team and he's going to keep him out because he feels that Tua is not where right, he because he would be the okay? only because that would be heroic he'd right? be the only medical but doctors again that have, let's get something straight that have made number a one number one heroic okay this guy might even only be coaching the team for two years so he is going to want to have the guy that's going to give him the best chance of winning games to keep his job. That's just the way it is. If Tua is banged up, do you think this coach actually believes that Tua is the future of this team? Okay. That's number two. Okay. Is he? No, no, he's not. Then why sacrifice him? Why sacrifice him is the exact reason why you're sacrificing because he's not, he is not the future of, of the, of the, of the dolphins. Okay. You would see the, you see the, See the problem here with how we look at it? I say if he's not the future, why are you trying to win with someone that isn't the future anyway? Like, yes, you're doing well. It's a great start, whatever. But but just play the other guy because he's not your future either. So why why put him in that position that happened instead because of... Because they don't care about him. That's what I yes, said they're... before. It's professional sports. That's why we have so many of these issues. It's It's about winning. It's about winning games. And that's why I want the coach held accountable a little bit, because that way, maybe in the future, more teams will start to think this way. I doubt it will happen. They will never start thinking this way because it's a billion dollar organization. They make an ungodly amount of money. This is all about money. It's all about money. It's ever every time we talk about sports, politics, uh, anything. It's all about money. And right now, Tua is a very, very, very small piece in this. And you have, you have breakdowns. You have breakdowns. How is it even possible? The people that are watching that game against the Bills and watch Tua get up and stumble up the field and be caught by his teammates and think that that's a goddamn back injury? Oh, I know there was a lot of so here's the thing. They fired one guy. They fired one guy. They fired the nerd, uh, neurosurgeon, uh, neuro, um, um, what was he? A neuro consultant. Scapegoat. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Call him a scapegoat, the neuro scapegoat. How 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 is the Miami Dolphins medical staff not completely fired? They not have a say in this either. Did they not watch the same thing, or 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 is that doctor understanding that they're playing the Buffalo Bills, the best team in the NFL, and they need Tua to help win this game? So he put him back in. That's what I think. Stupidest thing. And you know what? The other day I said, this might be the best thing to ever happen to the NFL because maybe things will start to change. And then I said, things won't change until the guy at the very, very top is removed. But that's a conversation for another day. But at least yesterday it was actually put into motion and you saw players like uh, the old quarterback, Tyrod Taylor went in. I think another player yesterday, maybe in the Bills game, Isaiah McKenzie went in uh, for concussion protocol. So, I mean, it's it's started at least that because I think a lot of these guys probably a week ago would have been allowed to come back and play. So, and I know for a fact, just from the history of, of following Buffalo sports, that this is not Tyrod Taylor's first concussion. He has been cranked. Many times, well, many. watching watching the game of football more and more like I, you know, people come to me and we have these discussions about, you know, how violent, uh, you know, what's more violent hockey or or football? And it's just like. Are you are you watching? Are you watching football? Are you watching hockey? They're not even close. They're not even on the same stratosphere. Football is a thousand times more violent oh it is every single solitary play and someone and beyond getting crushed and beyond so there's one example after the bills game they were showing the end of the steelers jets okay and i was watching the end of the steelers jets and a guy they were on the goal line the jets were and they went and the guy just jammed the nose of the ball over but the guy had already and then he fumbled the ball Okay, but they called it a touchdown anyway later on. But the point is, the play was down, the ball was covered, everybody was done, and two linemen, while everybody was on the ground and the refs had blown the whistle, are still trying to kill each other and throw someone to the ground. And then finally, someone trips over a guy and stumbles over and falls back. You know what I mean? It's just like it, like it, <laughs> they play beyond the whistle, and it's constant, constant contact. Like. And maybe it's not shots to the head, but it's, you know, twisting your knee, twisting your ankle. And all I'm saying is it's like football 
is so barbaric. The only guys that are protected are the kickers. Well, I can say this, that the NFL PA and the NFL have definitely, they both come to an agreement after this, uh, this Tua situation. They both agreed that uh, changes are needed to enhance player safety and they will continue they are they are continuing to do an investigation into you know the pro, uh, pro concussion protocol you know involving uh you know to an and and you know listen i mean hopefully they can make some changes that will help um with the safety of these players because it you know football man it is i don't care if you're a wide receiver or what position you're playing you are in in harm's way i mean it's a very violent physical sport and uh you got to protect these uh these men so hopefully well, things could... change some things and uh and and do do some right in this uh terrible situation well i, th- I think that that this incident maybe has has made that happen but there's also a chance that maybe it gets worse before it gets better because there's going to be a spotlight now to to guys being knocked out unconscious on the football field in the nfl yep. due to this and and you and every single one of them will be brought to light. You watch. There'll be more more conversations about it, regardless of how many guys are going into protocol. It's that time where all the teams got to make all these decisions on the young kids. These young yeah. kids that can go back to junior. Do you give them their nine games? Do you not? And it's the reality that hockey's just around the corner because rosters are being trimmed down. Well, in particular, the Sabers. It's interesting they brought up Shane Wright. Um, he was the uh, he was the fourth overall pick to Seattle, but he was ranked number one the entire year. And it's interesting that you brought him up because I want to ask your opinion on on him and what you, because you watched one of their game, you watched Seattle game. And uh, I want your thoughts on that. But for me, it's like I first first thing that it comes to my head is season opener. Like, let's just, oh my God, let's get rid of these preseason games. To me, as a player, they were they wore you down physically and mentally. Um, I did not like playing them, especially when I was a veteran hockey player. So for, you know, 10, 12, 13 years, they were just kind of an irritant. Um, but I look at, you know, uh, there was a there's a, a conversation, you know, that people are having right now and, and they're and they're talking about you know, these young players. So the conversation was about the Calder trophy. Okay. And these young players and looking at what Sabres did, uh, they trimmed that roster, um, you know, just yesterday and sent down Coolidge and Rosen and, uh, Biro and, 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 and sent them to the American hockey league and sent Savoy back to the Western hockey league. Great. Which I thought that was I thought that was a great move. Yeah, hundred percent. That's where he needs to be because I don't think I don't think that he is NHL ready. You know, and and don't give him nine games for a courtesy. There are not going to be token games given. They know there are, there's no room for this guy. They got Jack Quinn. They got Paterka. They got these other guys. And this is what needs to happen. They need to go back to junior and shred it. Have you not said that about guys for years? Yes. Send them back to junior and let them dominate. And people are like, yeah, but they need more competition. No, they don't. I read an article. I just read an article um, uh, this morning, actually, 
and the first name that popped into my uh, into my screen and I started reading on him was um Nylander. Alex Nylander. It's the guy that was what, seventh or eighth overall draft pick? We screwed that kid up so bad in his development, it is off the bloody chart. Now he is a tryout. He's on a PTO in Pittsburgh and was released. This is a kid that in his first year in the in, in the OHL, he had 75 points. He was only he was only 18, just turning, he was 17 years old when he played. He needed two more years in the in in the OHL. He needed to continue to gain confidence, maturity, leadership, understanding pressure of being a a spotlight guy. But we took in Buffalo, they took all that away from him and stuck him in the minors where he was playing on a horrendously, horrendously bad minor league team. And he wasn't ready physically, mentally, emotionally. He was getting killed out there. And they destroyed a top pick, destroyed him. It would have been very different. Mark my words. It would have been very, very different for this kid if he would have had some time just to grow into himself. There's one more example in Buffalo, too, of a player. Who's that? Let's rush him. Let's rush him in the rush. Yeah. Yeah. Mikhail Gregorenko. Nikita Zadorov. Yes. Like Mikhail Gregorenko. Okay. Do you know why? You know why Zadorov got traded? Number one, he was the cockiest kid in the history of the game of hockey. That's number one. He really irritated a large amount of the players on the team. But number two, the kid had alarm clock issues. He he was late and missed, you know, meetings, practices. Not just well, let's once. have him in the NHL. Not just he could twice. have been in junior that year. He was nineteen. Yes, six That's six exactly two thirty five. He was he was out of shape. You know, and he's and he should have gone back to London. I like they should have yeah. had him go back and play in junior. It's but there okay. are number one picks that that just they just put them in because they're number one picks. Oh, and guess what else they are? Cheap labor. Yes, very true. You know, like they're both. But it, when you talk about, uh, 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 you know, when you talk about Owen Power, Owen Power turns. 20 years old on November 22nd, I think it is. So this is a guy who was, who was drafted. So when he was 18 years old, he got drafted. And at 18, most players at 18, go back to junior, go back to play over in Europe. You got to remember Owen Power when he was drafted, he was the oldest kid in the draft because he was a late birth year. So he went in the other into the next year. So when he got drafted, he was essentially 18 years old, which most kids are 17 years old. Owen Power made a great decision with the Buffalo Sabres to allow him to go back to junior or go back to uh, D1 and play for Michigan and just continue to develop more of his game. Not only it's not only just a skating and a shooting, but it's mental. It's mental for these young kids. It's, it's about working on your body to get stronger. And now Owen power is coming into his first year into the, into the NHL and he's 20 years old, not 18. He's 20. 
Yeah, it's he a went back. He didn't go, even go back to junior. He went back to college, which yeah. is those college teams would absolutely crush. Michigan would kill the Memorial Cup champion teams. I don't, I don't, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's way better hockey. And well, you, do, okay, you have, yeah. any, do you have any doubt about that? Um, I don't. Okay. I don't because you're dealing with uh, kids that are from 16 to 20, where college you're dealing with kids that are, if they're 18 years old and they're playing college hockey, that means they're the elite of of North America, there. That's what I'm talking about. You don't, so you don't you don't often see 18 year old players play D1 because it's. I mean, it just, it just doesn't happen. Thank you for you validating know, my point. He Owen Power goes back and plays a year at Michigan, and then he gets to play some games in the NHL. He's at a serious advantage going into his rookie year. You know, like he wasn't brought in here fresh out of number one overall. And the best part also about, played in oh, the World Championship. Uh, Thank you. Keep it. Keep going. Keep adding my. Also adding played my in the World Championship at, um, I think at nineteen, and I mean, two years. I think he did, and that he? was before his. That was before his draft, was right. it Not yes. That's what solidified him, and like you know, there were never any real questions, but people are just like, oh, it's head and shoulders at its own power. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he started off going in the World Championships at nineteen, just turned nineteen, and you know, you you watch him play. And you're thinking to yourself, like, this kid could play in the NHL right now. And that's when he was 18. So he was he was 18 at the time when he um played for the world championships for Canada. When he went there, the first couple games, he didn't play very much. He didn't play very much at all. He was like under 10 minutes a game. And as the as the tournament kept on progressing his minutes kept on going higher and higher. Well, I think somebody got hurt and he stepped in. I can't remember how it worked, but someone got hurt. It's a Miller. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Buffalo, uh, Colin Miller got, got, uh, got hurt and Owen power started to take some more, more minutes. And by the end of the tournament, you know, he played, uh, what? 20 some That's 25 minutes. No way. They must've seen that Miller was taking his minutes and like, Hey, just say you're hurt. Come home, get out of there. Go, yeah. go hang out, have fun. Let Owen play. Yeah. That's it. Um, well, it, it look, so b- back to what I was saying about Gregorenko, like he, he played that year was the lockout year that they had to decide whether or not he was going back to junior or staying. And it was six games and they played Toronto at home in his sixth game. And he had been, it was no question. The first five games, zero points. You're like, get him out of here. Then he played that sixth game against Toronto scores, scored in the slot. Okay. And then they keep him. And I'm just thinking to myself, no, send him back. Now you have a kid who just scored his first NHL goal against the Leafs, send him back to junior and let him tear it up. And nope, they didn't, they didn't do that. They kept him and, and you know, now he's crushing it in the, uh, in the KHL. But that's why you could have given Savoy nine games. He's signed. I was watching the late Vancouver Seattle exhibition game. And because I wanted to see Shane Wright, I looked up, he was playing, and there he was, number 51. And I'm just thinking, this kid should not be playing in the NHL this year. Really? He's good enough to get get along, but it's like, why just have this kid get along in the league on a second-year expansion team? When you have a 21-year-old kid that you're trying to develop into a top two-line centerman anyway in Beneers, let him go back to junior. He needs to be able to succeed against the the really, really top-end teams, not kill it against the 
mid-tier, lower-end teams. We, we've talked about this before with Shane Wright. Like, I, I really do think he is a world-class player. His, his skating, his shot, his hockey IQ, his, his intelligence on the ice is really fantastic. Um, do I think he's going to be able to produce points at the, at the NHL level? Yes, I do. Do I think he's going to be a 100-point guy? No, I don't. I don't think he's going to be um, a guy that is is consistently scoring, you know, 30, 40 goals and adding, you know, 50, 60 assists. I think he's I think he's more suited for like a 60 point guy, 60. And that's and that's still a great, great hockey player. I think Shane Wright's going to score 20, 25 goals in this league consistently. I think he's going to be an extremely, extremely smart and intelligent defending center because I think he has those abilities. Um, but right now just let the kid play. He does not need to play at an NHL level right now. He is 18 years old. He does not need to be in, in the NHL, send him back to junior, let him go and be the guy, let him go and deal with a different kind of pressure. The pressure of every single night when you step on the ice for the Kingston Frontenacs, Everybody, your everybody's game plan, every team game plan is to literally shut you down. It's it's amazing. What are they playing uh, in the OHL? 60, 68 games. Go back to junior. Is it sixty eight or sixty six? It used to be it was sixty six when we played, but they bumped it up two games. Okay. So go back to junior. Play. 68 games if you're healthy all year and score 150 points 55 goals 60 goals his rookie year he had 39 goals and in, in he had 39 goals in 58 yep. games yep i mean he, that's a his he, statistics he could, his statistics as a 15 year old um player that was allowed he was an exceptional status player, and there's not very many of them. I think there's only seven exceptional status players in the OHL. One is, you know, Connor McDavid, Steve Stamkos, John Tavares. These Sean guys were Sean Day was another one. Um, this guy, Shane Wright, and then there was one other kid. I think was yes, granted exceptional status but, too. I can't remember his um, name. You know, when you when you look at that. You know, and and Shane Wright's rookie year, his fifteen year old year, is an exceptional status year. He his point totals were better than than Connor McDavid. They're better than John Tavares and Steve Stamkos. Okay, the next year that he plays, he's out for a full entire year of COVID. Okay, so he's sitting basically in his house like every other player, losing the opportunity for continued de- development. Then the next year, he comes in at 17 years old. In 63 games, he had 32 goals, 94 points, which most people would be like, that is an outstanding year. But that was that was a bad year for Shane Wright. That was a bad year. Well, what, what the harder part was is like the star players. Go look at any star players that go number one overall. They're in the playoffs. They may not win the Memorial Cup, but if they play 11 playoff games, they have like 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 points in 11 games. The stars, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had 14 points. He had three goals. Like, big deal. 
That's yeah. your playoff superstar. I mean, yeah. that can't happen. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, yes and no. I mean, Shane Wright has had so much uh, pressure on him and so much, you know, when he plays every single team he plays, the entire game is you need to shut down Shane Wright. If you shut down Shane Wright, then your team has a chance to win. So he has five guys that solely are trying to shut him down and not give him time and space and that they're chippy and they're, they're making it tough on him. That's what he deals with every single solitary game. Me personally, I don't think he's ready for the NHL. I do not think that the Seattle Kraken should be rushing him. I think they should, they should give him another year to continue to develop. You look at, you look at Owen power, Owen power, was a late birthday draft pick. Okay. He was drafted when he was 18. He elected not to go to the NHL at 19. He, he wanted to play another, he wanted to play a year at Michigan, another year at Michigan. So he does that. He goes back. I think it was a great development year for Owen power. Now Owen power stepping into the NHL at 20 years old. He's much more mature. He's seen more. He's taken more in. He's physically worked on his body more. That is a development style that most teams need to take. Because right now, the NHL, they're getting too caught up in throwing all these young guys into their lineup. Hey, let's put them on their uh, the third, fourth line. And, and it's going to be great because at least they're going to practice with the team. No, I played with I played with uh, Yuri Novotny in the post-cap era. He was on the fourth line with me. And I, I didn't. Hey, I'll tell you this: I didn't play on your Lorena Vodny's line on the second line. He played on my line on the fourth line. So, so, so it's like it's a little different when you have Peters on the left, Mare in the middle, or or Mare on the right, and Novotny in the middle, and you go and chip, you soft chip a puck into the corner, and Marzi is way on the other side of the ice because it's not his side, and he's kind of, and then you have Novotny who's supposed to go in at 18 years old or 19 as a as a timid check player, and you're playing against the fourth line guys and the fifth, sixth, seventh defenseman, and you're just kind of like, uh, he's not going to get it, <laughs> you know. It yeah. doesn't help their development. What do you yeah. think Montreal does with uh, Slavkovsky? Does he have to play in the NHL? Um, Why not find a why not give him his nine games and well, find they, a they jun- definitely will find a junior team for him to go play for. They definitely will um, give him his nine games, and 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 it's nothing that has been said, but I but I believe that they will give him games. But I read again. I read another article because he's another guy. Slavkovsky is another guy. He's an eighteen-year-old player. He's got a man body. Like I mean, this is this is a genetic freak. He's six foot four, 240 pounds. Okay. And he he's skates 18. exceptionally well and he's 18 years old. But here's the thing mentally, he's not where he needs to be. Okay. He's just a kid. I just, you got to deal with it. He needs time. Um, could he play uh, for, for Montreal next year? Yes. But you want to make sure that if you are going to have this young player, in your lineup, he needs to be in a position to succeed. Well, was Joe okay. Thornton in a position to succeed in Boston? No, he was his not. Year? And no, that's wasn't. an example I want to use. Like what's Seven better, points. Seven, two goals, five assists. What did he play? 40, 60 games, yeah. maybe something like that. I remember yep. the uh, there was a big feature on him. 
and how they he was gaining weight and working out during the season. And what's what's more advantageous for this guy? Some guys are different. Is what's best for Slavkovsky to stay in the NHL, train in the NHL, practice in the NHL every day, maybe play 41 games? Because there's going to be a lot of heat and pressure in Montreal with, with how they're doing this year. Marty St. Louis is the coach. You got other guys signing big tickets. You got the new captain. So you have some distractions, but there's going to be a lot of eyes on this guy. And yes. I just wonder if if Marty St. Louis thinks of it as like, let's keep him here, keep him playing. We'll play him 50 games this year. And if he's killing it, then we don't, then we let him loose. But if he's not, we don't force him in the lineup because he's 18. Yeah. We take him out. He does a hard workout. He gets on the bike. He gets used to the work. Well, how about NHL, this? How about the they NHL's take harder. him out regardless? I want people to know one thing. Hold that thought. That it's harder to play in the NHL when you don't play. Like the games are hard for players that play the big minutes and everything. It's taxing on the body, but it's brutal for the guys that don't play because you're skating, practicing, bag skating, and working out extra at night during the games. Like it's it's harder. It sucks when you're not playing. Yes, it does. You work. You the, the players that don't play work way harder, way harder. So because they're doing two a days. That's not terrible for young players like this as well. The, the other thing, thing too is, um, you know. If 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 they if Montreal feels that this is the right thing to do that we we feel that Slavkowski is ready enough where we want to keep him in our environment we want our trainers to work with him consistently every single day we want all of this this type of interaction we want the young kid to be able to travel with the team see the different cities see the different arenas get acclimated to the league understand okay. the game day routines on the road and the morning skates and what it's All like of it. traveling the meetings to a, going from montreal in january to florida in january and it, it it's a massive learning so do curve. you like that idea why not do it at 19 why 18 why do we need to do it at 18 let this kid go back to junior so he has to now go and live with a billet and now start traveling on a bus, things that he's not going to do in a year. Get him acclimated to what he needs to be acclimated to. Shane Wright can go back to junior because he's been riding a bus for three years. This kid is this kid hasn't done that. He came from a, a Finnish pro team. Like, like he's he's yeah, where you where you ride the friggin' bus. Well, they also fly. They probably fly over there. I you know better than no, I you do. You fly to one place. You fly to Karpat, which is like literally north like straight north the highest point of finland that's the only place that you fly to every place else okay. you're you're on a bus okay all right well maybe it wouldn't be bad for him all i'm saying is we know this guy's going to be in montreal so why put him well that's not true because i read an article and they basically stated that we were we are going to do what's right for his development and that to me is like, why would you even say that if you, if you, you know, if you feel that this guy is able to play on your team, why are you even talking like that? Well, clearly they, they, clearly they're seeing that there are parts of his kinks. game that yeah. he needs to work on. And I think Shane Wright is in the same boat. I think he, he's, he's in the same situation. Um, you look at a guy like uh, uh, Jack Quinn. Okay, Jack Quinn got drafted to the Buffalo Sabres. But you also have to remember, Jack Quinn was a, a older player in his draft. So his birthday, 
he his age group was the year before. He went and played one year in the minors, which was a COVID year. So he ended up playing how many games in the minors? 15. But he got himself acclimated, got himself to understand the league, understand the players. And then the very next year went and spent a number of months in the minors because he could go there because of um, COVID. Then he shows up at 20 years old, his first year pro, first first eligibility to pro. He's leading the entire American Hockey League in goals and points before he gets uh, sick with, with mono. But he had a fantastic year of development. Buffalo barely brought him up. He, he played just a couple games. And when he did play, the one game that he scored, what, a goal and assist, I think it was, he looked like he could play. He could okay, be He's here. 21. He just turned 21 on September 19th. He's played 60 American League games, and he has 70 points. <laughs> That's pretty good. He's played two games in the NHL, and he has two points. Oh, my God. And this kid, what a great start to his career, man. Again, when it comes they did to like, it right, li- did like they rush that kid? Well, could you he, know, he, he did get hurt. Played? You know, there could be an argument against that. Yeah, he did get hurt. He had to have oblique surgery at the end of his first year pro in Rochester yep. and stuff. He had to have oblique surgery. So it's kind of okay. like, you know, a lot of guys have had oblique surgery. It doesn't have anything to do with his age and, and rushing it. But all I'm saying is, is, you know, who knows? But he had to go through the rigors of a, of a, of a, of a rehab and all that stuff too. So he's learned that too. And then he came back and performed. So, I mean, it look, there's no perfect recipe for every player. That's what I'm trying to tell you too, is how they handle Slavkovsky. And when they say, you know, um, you know, we'll do what's best for his development. That might just mean we're not going to play him every game. We're not going to force feed him into 82 games just because, you know, it's like they could say we're going to play him 50 games and we're going to let him train and travel and work and learn how to be in the NHL or we're going to send him to junior. Yeah. But I think it's fascinating now. I think there's been a different approach to the young, talented players that are being drafted because I think there are examples over the last decade where players have been rushed. And you've touched on maybe, maybe argue, arguably the most notable in the last 10 years in the NHL draft, and that's Alex Nylander. I'm looking at a player, uh, Marco Rossi, and he's another player that has been mentioned in the, the Calder Trophy. So there's a, there's a few players that have come up in, in the conversation to start the season anyway. And you have Owen Power, um, Power, and then you have Matt Beneers, you have uh, Mason McTavish from Anaheim, um, and Marco Rossi. Remember Marco Rossi? He was the teammate of uh, Jack of Quinn. Uh, Jack Quinn. You know, Jack Quinn scored a lot of goals that year, 54 goals, and I think uh, 60 games or something like that. It was very impressive. 52 and 62. Wow. Okay. And then you have, um, and then you have Marco Rossi, who is one of the, he, I think he led the OHL in points. He had 120 points in 56 games. And I'm thinking to myself, Shane Wright, Shane Wright, you have yet to have over 100 points in, in the OHL. Go back to junior and, and do it properly. Just make sure that you continue to grow mentally and physically and emotionally, and you will be a long, 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 long standing player in, in 
the NHL. To end our conversation with uh, the Calder Trophy, it's going to be really interesting. I, I just look at Owen Power and, and the opportunity. Number one, opportunity has to be given in order for you to really make great strides to become a Calder Trophy winner. And I think he's going to get that here in Buffalo. I think he's going to be put in a really good position to succeed. I think he's got all the ingredients with the with the skating, the offensive abilities. Like this kid is, I mean, he plays he plays road hockey, or he plays you know outdoor rink hockey. He has it looks like he doesn't have a whole lot of structure to his game. He's down below the goal line behind the net, and then all of a sudden he's on the back check and he's flying by everybody because he's getting back into position. So he's a really interesting talent, and I can't wait to see like i i don't i just want to enjoy watching these young players like all of them i enjoy watching the next generation of player but i cannot wait to see what owen power is going to be like in five years do you think it's important to the teams if their guy wins the calder trophy or do you think it's more important that they develop because you can go back uh, and say it was great that tyler myers won the calder trophy but i i mean there were there were ryan miller bailed him out a lot of times when he made a mistake. I'm not saying that Tyler Myers didn't deserve it. He had a great season. I'm just saying there was a lot that overshadowed his, his uh, tendencies that were, that might've held him back. You know, they were exposed (laughs) again, looking back to my time, because that was my first year here in Buffalo and Tyler Myers was this ungodly size kid, six foot eight, um, he was about a hundred and he was about 200 pounds. He was really skinny at the time, 19 years old, um, could probably benefited to go back to junior for one more year, but we, we elected to keep him. He ended up with 48 points that year. Remember that? Yes, I do. 48 points. I think he had over 10 goals and he ended up winning the Calder trophy. And I can't even tell you how many times I look back at our coach, our D coach after Tyler Myers was on the ice and literally looked like a train wreck. And they said nothing to him, like nothing. And for me, it's like this kid needed to learn. He needed to learn how to play the game properly because the game was going to get harder for him. The game was, they were going to find out what he was all about. And they did. And you look at Tyler Myers, the second, third, fourth years after his his first year, I mean, his his uh point totals and his game started to started to um level becoming, off. Well, level, well, not off, even level. but it, he started to really struggle. He started to struggle. And uh, you know, then they some of that was a result to, of the team too, though. You know, but he, but still, you know, they started to go in a different direction right as he was kind of coming into his youth. You know, like you start trading Miller, Ott, Vanek, Palm, and Phil, and you start the tear down, you know, and it's kind of yeah. like, you know, he signs that long term deal. I felt bad for him, but I, you know, it's funny. He comes up because he was in the game the other night, and I was thinking about him when I'm watching Shane Wright. I'm just like, you know, there's a, there's a guy that won, he won the Calder trophy, but he, he still, you know, wasn't necessarily. I think everybody thought he was just boom, right, ready to to be an NHL defenseman, and that's just not the case with 
with him, but he looks good. Still a good defenseman. Had a good career. Well, it good wasn't career. even it wasn't even that they deemed him an offensive defenseman, which he was the farthest thing from an offensive defenseman. That's the thing where they got him into trouble. They he shouldn't have been an offensive defenseman. Well, he could fly. He could. He was six seven, and he six eight. I I don't know that I've ever seen a a, a player that tall that can skate like he did. Yeah, he, 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 he was, was beautiful smooth. to watch. Yeah, he was really smooth. But again, it's it, it's as a as a former teammate of his, I wish they would have taught him to be a two-way defenseman, okay? Which I think he's turned into, which I think he's turned into a nice uh, he's turned into a real nice. He he's more of a defender now than what he's ever been in his entire career. He skates well. He moves the puck well. He defends exceptionally well. He shouldn't have been in a position to have the pressure of running the power play because he wasn't ready for it. He wasn't ready at all for it. Look at the neck on this guy, man. If he if his neck is, you know, proportion with his body. He's and what a like, great guy, too. He's 6'3", 6'4". Great, great kid. He's just great. one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. I'm happy for him. He's had a really nice career, and uh, he's uh, he's not done. I mean, he's not done at all. He's uh, I think. Well, he's he looked one- awesome in that exhibition game the other night. Exhibition game, I know, but still, he looked awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, he takes care of himself. He's uh, he's got a family now. He's, uh, um, you know, I think he's he's found his style of game and what is going to make him really successful, not only personally, but for the team. And uh, he's had a really nice career. He's had a really nice career, and uh, we'll, we'll be seeing him for a number of uh, more years. So, Last thing I'll leave you with. Have you seen Facing Nolan? Netflix documentary about Nolan Ryan. No. Got to check this out. Nolan Ryan, I had no idea the records that he holds, and... If, if how many Cy Youngs do you think Nolan Ryan has young, uh, has won? What's that? Do you know who Nolan Ryan is? Yes. Cy Young is like best pitcher of the year. Okay. So he has over 5000 strikeouts. He has the most no hitters with 7. He has I mean every record. It, it's it's absolutely insane how many Hall of Famers he struck out. It, most one hitters, most two hitters, most three hitters. You know, he played for 27 seasons. How many? Did you just Google it? No. You did, didn't you? I didn't. How many did he win? And he played how many years? 20... 27, 27 years he played in the major leagues. Well, because I don't know the answer, I'm going to throw out something crazy. I'll say 15. Would make sense when you're talking about the records and the strikeouts and stuff like that, right? That he won. How many do you crazy. have? How many? Okay, so how many do you have? Now, don't I guess throw, fifteen. Okay, now think of a think of the what's the least amount you think he's won? Seven. Okay, unbelievable guess. He has the most three hundred strikeout seasons. Most, I think, games finished. Like back when he played, he started a game and finished the game. He has one zero Cy Youngs. <laughs> I didn't know that. I would have thought the same thing if someone said, "How many Cy Youngs do you think Nolan Ryan's won?" I would say you are leading the witness, man. That is that is brutal. 
when I heard zero Cy Youngs, it was the, it's like saying Wayne Gretzky, with all the points he has and all the stats, that he never won a Hart Trophy. Hard to believe he only won what? How many did he win? Gretzky. He went like nine, eight. No idea. I would probably get hazard a guess around eight. I feel like it's nine. I'm going to check this out and then we'll get out of here. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine heart trophies. Yeah, that's not bad. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.